Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hercules podcast with me, Chris Winfield. And with me, Brogan Carter. Hercules Site Services are one of the UK's leading construction and civil engineering companies with four main divisions. The supply of skilled labour. Delivery of price projects. Hiring out our brand new fleet of suction excavators. And lastly, Hercules Digital, which offers an innovative recruitment-based core digital solution that can be tailored to your requirements. We hope you'll find our guests an inspiration both in terms of their personal lives, but also their career development and of course be entertained along the way. Between the two of us, we aim to give you access to some of the construction industry's most fascinating individuals, providing them with an established platform to tell us all about their lives, personal journeys they've been on and how they've arrived at the point they're at today. We also intend to occasionally have guests from outside the industry who have their own exciting stories to tell. For this episode, we're doubly excited as we're going to be talking about an innovation and world first for the construction industry. We're joined by Costain Senior Work Superintendent, Lee Piper, and our very own Business Development Manager, Andreas Gottfried. Last year, Hercules were approached by the HS2, Skanska Costain Strabag JV, and Skanska Cementation on an idea they'd had regarding something they called zero trim piles technology that would require use of one of our suction excavators. We quickly agreed to take part in trials. The rest is history. Thank you, Lee and Andreas, for joining us. So, Lee, thank you so much for being here. We're super excited to, to hear from you today. Um, so this, this podcast series is all about people's stories and how they started out in the construction industry. Um, so if you're happy to kind of speak to us about how yours kicked off, really, and I believe that was as an apprentice bricklayer. Yes, um, thank you for having me. Um, I started off as a bricklayer in the southwest. Um, in Plymouth, um, which is my hometown. So I left school, um, I was 16 in May, and I left school in the June and uh, started an apprenticeship in July. Um, continued to do that for four years, then kind of my back and my and being out in the weather kind of stopped me and thought um, I needed to change tack. My wife was doing a PhD at the time at Plymouth University, so kind of while she was in education, I decided to um, retrain as a trainee engineer with Costain actually at the time on a project in Plymouth and um, I did my kind of ONC HNC with Costain um, right up until 97 but I'd worked on some big infrastructure projects uh, Mavenmouth um, Viaduct in Bristol um, Newbury Bypass were two of the biggest projects in the country at the time I was always into kind of um, being on the biggest schemes rather than just the small stuff um, it kind of appealed to me and it I suppose what it did is it gave me a, it expanded my network really quickly um, I left Costain in 98 and joined a company called Bovis Europe who then went on to be Bovis Lendlease as a construction manager worked all around the country funny enough doing Safeway superstores or like Morrison superstores um, large retail developments Cardiff St David's 2 was one Drake Circus in Plymouth, um, another big one. Um, did a, 18 months in Dubai. I moved with my wife and my three children over to Dubai. Just thought I'd always heard people talking about um, they'd had a chance, and but they never took it. And I always wanted to take the chance. So um, finally, we put our foot on the steps of the plane and, and did it. And my youngest was one at the time. So wow, it was, it was amazing. Yeah, it was. Um, it was a little bit of a sour taste because the the, the um, 
the global economy kind of crashed when we were out in Dubai. Um, but I wouldn't have changed it. I came back, started the project in Cardiff, and then after that, I joined Costain again at Reading Station on a big project there for Costain. So I'd always continued to keep my contacts right the way through from when I left to when I rejoined again in um, uh, 2012. So since then, just been on basically major civil engineering projects, Crossrail, um, Hinkley Point, the A465, Heads of the Valleys in Wales, and now onto what is the biggest project in Europe, um, at High Speed 2, which I'm running a billion pound um, section of work in Euston. I mean, being involved with HS2, Lee, I mean, how does that feel? I mean, you've talked about working on some of the largest infrastructure projects out there, but this is the largest this country's ever known and ever seen. Um, how do you feel about being part of that? Is it something you're proud of? Do you see a legacy there that you can sort of say to your children, your grandkids, you know, granddad did that or dad did that? Yeah, I don't think you really realise how big it is, really. But when, um, what really came to fruition when we were at Crossrail, I was doing Paddington Crossrail. So that was beside Paddington Station, that Brunel built. Yeah. So the kind of significance of the people that were working on the project, I used to say it to people that you're, we're building the station and hundred years ago, Brunel built one right beside. So you're, mm. the significance is massive. Yeah. I don't think we realize it. And it's the same with high speed too. You know, my children's children will get on a high speed train from Manchester. And I think sometimes we need to stand back and actually realize that. Mm. For, for those that don't fully appreciate the scale give us some indication of the 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 enormity of what you've got there as, in terms of a project and maybe a little bit more of an overview of the the project between london and birmingham the stages that are getting done at the moment so um scs we're doing three sections from west rye slip um old up common right into euston so we're split into three sections um, there's more tunnelling on that section than there is in Crossrail as a whole. So there's 22 kilometres of tunnel. Wow, yeah, that's impressive. Um, and the bit in Euston, we're piling for two years. So that kind of tells you the scale of it is five to six year project. But for piling for two years, is nearly 2,000 piles on the job. Wow. Um, we'll pour a thousand cube of concrete every week for six months continually um, at peak. And we'll have about... 500 people on site and 300 staff so it's but it's not a big um, size project as, as the the footprint's small mm -hmm. so um, you need to be very the planning and, and the logistics of it are key because you haven't got a lot of room mm. it's a bit like having I said to someone yesterday it's a bit like if you have a big attic all you do is fill it with rubbish yeah if you have a a big job you tend to fill it with rubbish mm. if you have a small job you can't so you have to plan it better it's yeah. one of those things yeah um and i i guess you know the industry and the world is suffering from shortages of materials the, the price the cost of things are going up um are you seeing any effects from that at the minute due to the pandemic and everything else that's going on yeah we are we're definitely um seeing it in the last couple of months but we're just in the process of doing a replanning um, of the project based on the fact that we're going to have shortages of material. So we're trying to stockpile the material 
reschedule the program so that when we have got the stock, we can then hit it mm. with gusto and, and kind of and, and smash the program that way. So you're almost having to put the brakes on, but putting them on for the right reasons and, and, and planning our way through it. Yeah. Now, obviously, you know Hercules as, as we're working with you together on, on, on that project at the moment. And you know that we are also a labour supply company. Um, what challenges do you think we face as an industry going forward from where we are today? Well, labour's going to be one. Yeah. Um, any recession, even when I finished my apprenticeship in 1990, most of the I was a, um, a group of 35 bricklayers doing an apprenticeship, and only one of one of us stayed doing bricklaying after the recession. Most of them went into factories or taxi driving or found another career. And it was only me who carried on and then went and stayed in construction. It's still the case now. So that's where you find it drops off because people need to work and they need to earn money and they'll go where the money is, but then they potentially stay away from the industry. So the other thing is obviously we need to just focus on apprenticeships and it's not all about graduates and, and, and degrees. It, we need to really focus on apprenticeships and, and getting people and, and younger people because they could be, especially on a project of my, the scale of high speed two, they could be, in a really, you know, you could start off as a trainee engineer now and 15-year period of high-speed two prior to delivering, you could be a project director. Yeah. So there's a real opportunity there for people to see that longevity. Yeah, and I think some of those projects of this scale have been missing for years, haven't they? That longevity where an apprentice can start and 10 years later could end up being a general foreman, senior yeah. general foreman. You know, it's there's... there's there is that longevity on this project, which I think for employment and, and finding labour, hopefully it will help us sustain the project going forward that we can tap into apprenticeships and youngsters these days. But the, we've, We're lucky that high speed two, I personally think that high speed two will be used to boost the economy of, of the UK, no doubt about that, mm. um, because we will feel the impact of COVID shortly. And we're lucky as an organisation, as long along with Hercules to be involved because the longevity is going to give us some sustainability through our businesses and through our people. That's what we need. Um, and that length and duration is going to actually attract people. So it's important that we can attract people because of the time. Um, so next we're going to move on to talk about the, um, the world first who would have thought it we're talking about a world first with hercules um so lee if you're okay to give us an insight into how this idea of the zero trim piles first came to light um and perhaps explain to our listeners the traditional method of cropping piles and also to me because i don't have a clue <laughs> yeah it's it, it's funny because it's i suppose it's the solution is simple and i think that's what probably has put people off because uh, most people that we present to and um, the first question is why isn't this been thought about before but most of the people that have communicated and connected on LinkedIn it has but there was a real combination of everyone wanting this to happen which was the key so the original idea was myself and a guy called Dion Lowe from Cementation come up with an idea of basically because it, it was 2020. We didn't think it was right to put operatives and people at risk, um, impact the environment, 
um, carbon footprint, all the stuff that we're doing as, as a UK um, government, and then continue to just do things wrong. So yeah. we came up with an idea of... Um, Dion had used a method before on a, on a rail job where he couldn't break down the pile. So what happens with the, with the, with the concrete pile? The concrete pile is basically a pillar in the ground. So the ground's that soft that you have to find good ground and then found a pillar into that good ground, which you then can build a foundation off. Um, traditional method is that you overpour the pile because at the top of the pile, it gets it can bleed it can there's some kind of dead concrete at the top of it and then you would then go down cut the pile down reduce it but it would normally be done by mechanical means so in the job that dion did he used what they call a bit like a spatula um, they created a big steel spatula that they actually scooped the concrete out so there was no cut off and no mechanical means but he mentioned that the best way of doing it would be a vacuum excavator but he never could get anyone to commit to using, you know, an expensive bit of kit, sucking wet concrete out of the ground. So I kind of had a light bulb moment and thought, right, I know someone who's got some vacuum excavators. <laughs> Going cheap. <laughs> um, um, and I'm pretty certain he's the kind of person who would kind of go for it as well. So um, we went for it. I can actually remember the day. It was a Friday afternoon. Brisk was out for a meeting with yourself and Brisk came running back to the office <laughs> with a drawing on the back of a, of a placemat saying, we've got a brilliant idea. It's something we absolutely have to do. And we sat in that meeting room next door and he drew it up on his board. And that's where the story <laughs> was board. born. That's where the story was born in Hercules. I can remember that to this day. How long ago was that? That was, I think, October time. Yeah, October time last oh, year. Oh, wow. Yeah. So not actually that long, and we've done it, and you've done it now. Yeah. But the key was to get everyone involved. Yeah. So everyone else had tried it, but not everyone was part of the solution. So the key was you had the contractor, cementation. Yeah. You had me as the lead for the project. Yeah. You had Hercules who were willing to provide the, the tools and the equipment. Mm -hmm. But at first, you had the design because there's anything that you're doing within high speed two crossrail, any of these big infrastructure projects, Hinkley, the assurance is massive. Yeah. So it's all very well coming up with a solution, but you have to assure that solution mm -hmm. and make sure it's not going to go wrong. So that's the key. Yeah. And by putting all four people together, that's um, when it started to work. And we did the trial. We, we did the trial in November. Um, we set up on our facility in Sun Hill, um, mocked it up exactly exactly the way it would be done on, on SCS. Um, and again, like you said, Lee, it, it's simple. It's a simple process, a simple method. And when we did it, it was like, can't believe it's actually, you know, worked and it's, it's that easy. Um, really successful and um, it was great to see it work and then take it out to site end of December. So just coming in there, these vacuum excavators, for those that don't know that are listening, are approximately 400,000 pounds each. Um, so not cheap. Um, how did we, what, what process did we have to go through Andreas to make sure that our vehicle was going to be able to survive essentially sucking up wet concrete into a bucket that has got fans in the back and things like that, that create that suction 
um, to allow them to suck up the earth and the muck traditionally. Um, what process did we go through to make sure that our vehicle wasn't going to get damaged? So, so again, this, I mean, this was a chance we took. Um, we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know what impact this would have on, on the vacuum excavators. There was nobody out there that could tell us this is the, the impact or the effect it's going to have on the truck. So it was pretty much a case of suck and see. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Um, we put all the contingencies in place to make sure that we had the facilities to clean it out really quick. Um, we had spare um, filters. We had the people on site in case something happened, etc. Um, we had to do some minor tweaks to the process, and, and it was pretty much trialing it and, and, and seeing which way works best. Um, but it is a very strict process of, of managing that on site now. Um, with sucking out the concrete, cleaning it out, making sure that um, various components on the truck are looked after in, mm. in, in a slightly different way than they yep. would traditionally with a, with a vacuum excavator. So we're making sure that we're washing out the vehicle to make sure that none of the concrete is going to go off in the vehicle and set and then cause blockages and things in the pipe and all that kind of stuff, I'm Absolutely. assuming. Yeah, we've, we've set up a, a proper process on site so that the guys can get to the right level to wash out um the vacuum excavator yeah um but yeah we didn't really know but we thought we'd give it a go Try and error, in fairness for the six months we've been using it two of them it used them we've not had a breakdown or anything That's amazing, it's been very consistent so yeah. we kind of took a little bit of a gamble i would think yeah. um but it's paid off yeah it's working really well yeah and just to give again another sense of scale to the listeners Lee, you mentioned that there's um, over 2,000 of these piles to do in the process of your part of the project. How many piles can you actually do a day, for example, to give it a, a sense of scale? Um, I think one of the, the, wag, the actual vacuum excavator doesn't actually, is not fully productive. This is where the, the benefit of the vacuum excavator is as well. This is a way you kind of get almost like a Swiss army knife type of um, bit of equipment on your project because it's the best bit of kit for doing safe excavation as well around a HV cable, around a water main, around yeah. any utility. Yeah. So, yes, it is there for, for vacuuming out the, the concrete, but the concrete doesn't really finish or, or start to be finished until about 3 p.m. in the afternoon. So the vacuum excavator is used on other tasks and other um activities throughout that day until it's it traditional comes, use, yeah, yeah. It's traditional use yeah. but it's the right use and it's the best use yeah and then from three till kind of seven we might do four or five piles but that all depends on when they would finish you could probably do six um all depending on the diameter and the volume that you've got in the concrete but one thing that we found is that so this is where the, where the carbon um saving is is that we're not putting as much concrete in to break down yeah so traditionally, you would put in, I don't know, 1.5 meters of overpour. We're only overpouring by 600. So we're saving 250 cube of concrete on the job. Wow. That's huge. Just by using it. And what happens to the concrete that gets sucked out? What, is that recycled we're, in some way? We've actually purchased a recycler on the project. It's not in there yet, but we do recycle it now. But we're actually going to purchase a recycler so that when we have to backfill the pile the day after, we're going to backfill it with the recycled concrete. So the full kind of sustainable, because we, we never really finished the circle of sustainability the way mm. I'd look, kind of like. Yeah. So we never closed the circle until the recycler came in. And then that 
that closes a circle. That that for me is key. And through this whole process, and now it's you know we've tested it, trialed it, implemented it onto the project, and it's been working for how long now? So six or seven months. Six seven months going on. Um, and I gathered we've now uh, been put forward for some awards for it as well, haven't we? Yes. Um, put forward for the Construction News Award. We've been shortlisted for, for two of the awards for Construction News. Best uh, Innovation and I think there's another one that escapes me now. But yes, yeah, two awards, um, which is, I think it's something to do with um, an introduction to the industry or some contribution to the industry, I think it is. Um, exactly. Um, and so, there's a couple of other awards, I believe, that are shortlisted as well that they're looking at. Um, so, yes. The BCI Awards. Okay. The industry has definitely seen this and taken this on. And, and this is one of the exciting things from my side. You know, the, the amount of um, interest in this outside of, of HS2 now as well, but everybody's looking at this. And, you know, people used to do things the way they've always done them and they get the same outcome. They're looking at this now and going, we can do this differently. And, and we can be involved in that process with, with other projects now as well, uh, which is fantastic for us. Yeah, and it's also proven a route for the flexibility of these vehicles, right? As well, because you know you mentioned that the traditional method they're still being used for, you know, utility avoidance, strike avoidance. Um, it's another string to its bow, isn't it? That maybe the manufacturers, when they created these things, that perhaps didn't realise that they could be used for. Definitely wouldn't have thought that. Yeah, so, it, I think you'll find that in a few years' time, you'll probably every project, every big infrastructure project, will probably have one of these as. They would do a water bowser or a, a tracked excavator. It'll yeah. be a standard piece of kit that you would have on site because it's doing the piles, but it's also doing your vacuum excavation, which is reducing the risk for people doing, you know, cable avoidance, those kind of things. So for me, yeah, it's key. So one of the th one of the things that got got us kind of got the ball rolling even further was I I um, invited the chief executive of High Speed Two to the project. And Andreas was there that day with me, with the designer. Um, I phoned him um, direct. I just thought, right, people may not listen to me, but they're going to listen to the chief executive of High Speed 2. Yep. And we brought him down and we had a great day and, and he looked at it. But basically it, it was, uh, from his own words, really a no-brainer. Even if it was cost-neutral, it was still the right thing to do for the industry and for the individuals that were originally impacted. Mm. So that... The stats just at Euston are massive. So 60,000 hours reduced, working hours reduced on halves, wow. noise, dust, the impact to the external environment, you know, the public. Because um, this is in a highly built-up area. Yeah, there, there are residents 15 metres away from the project. Crazy. Yeah. yeah, so it's massive. But it's also um, won us a lot of kudos with Camden now maybe potentially letting us do things at night because we won that kind of trust with them because we've been trying to improve the environment for the local people. So it's kind of put us on a really good footing from, from day one, really. And actually then potentially speed up the whole yeah. project, which is, again, win-win, yeah. isn't it? So now the, the, the idea, the other, the other thing to think about, this isn't just about SCS. This isn't just about her, this is about the industry. So this is doing what is right for the people that were predominantly down in an excavation, breaking and, and 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 getting damaged by doing that physical work. So, yeah, I don't mind if um, BBMV both for B to use it, or you know, it doesn't make a difference to me. 
what makes a difference is that we prevent someone from putting their hand on a breaker and doing that work. 100%. And this is just a, a prime example of people coming together from different, like you said, different companies within the industry. If you do come together and you do take a risk and you try something new, that then this is what will happen, a world first, with however many awards we're all, we're all talking about here. Absolutely. And, and from our side, you know, fantastic to be involved in that and, 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 and working with, um, you know, in partnership, um, you know, getting this going and, 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 and seeing a change in the industry. For me, I've only been in construction for two years and what an extremely steep learning curve for me and learning so much down on site um, from Lee and the team. Um, so absolutely brilliant story. So always take those risks and always put your ideas on a placemat. You never know where it may get you. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, look, I think we're going to call it a wrap there, guys. Thank you ever so much for joining us. Thank Thanks you, for Lee, for, for coming along and, you know, telling us your story and also, you know, talking about the exciting work you're doing on the UK's largest project at the moment. You must be immensely proud of what you've achieved. Fingers crossed for the awards. And, uh, yeah, good luck. Thank you very Thank much. You.